hello. Here we are for another mini episode for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Remember, if you haven't yet shared any of the episodes from this mini series of podcast episodes, I highly recommend it. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and this information that is shared throughout these series of episodes is very, very important for the world to hear. So share on your social media. Feel free to tag me so I can give you a shout out on my social as well. Super appreciate it. And also a trigger warning because this episode we are highlighting the different types of sexual violence. The information that I'm sharing with you today is taken directly from the website rain.org. That is R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. All right, so we're talking about the different types of sexual violence. And and sexual violence is an all-encompassing non-legal term that refers to crimes such as sexual assault, rape, and sexual abuse. And many of these crimes I'm going to go into detail um, in, in this episode. And of course, note that any legal definition of crimes is going to vary from state to state. So definitely tapping into your local resources and your state resources to find out the information that is relevant to you in the state that you're living in. So the first form of sexual violence that we're going to talk about today is sexual assault. And this can take many forms and it can be defined in many different ways, but there's always one thing that remains the same, which is it is never the victim's fault. So what exactly is sexual assault? And again, this this term refers to sexual contact or behavior that occurs without explicit consent of the victim. If you haven't yet checked out the episode that I have on what is consent, I highly recommend that one. It's part of this mini series as well. So there are different forms of sexual assault and they can include attempted rape, fondling or unwanted sexual touching, forcing a victim to perform sexual acts such as oral sex or penetrating the perpetrator's body, or penetration of the victim's body, also known as rape. Rape is a form of sexual assault, but not all sexual assault is rape. The term rape is often used as a legal definition to specifically include sexual penetration without consent. There's also something that is described as as force when talking about sexual assault, and and force doesn't always have to refer to physical pressure. Perpetrators may use force in terms of emotional coercion, psychological force, or manipulation to coerce a victim into non-consensual sex. Some perpetrators will use threats to force a victim to comply, such as threatening to hurt the victim or their family, or other intimidation tactics. And again, going into who perpetrators are, approximately 8 out of 10 sexual assaults are committed by somebody that the victim knows, such as a case of intimate partner sexual violence or acquaintance rape. And the term date rape is sometimes used to refer to acquaintance rape. Perpetrators of acquaintance rape might be a date, but they could also be somebody like a classmate, a neighbor, a friend's significant other, a friend's family member, or really any number of different roles. It's important to remember that dating, instances of past intimacy, or other acts like kissing do not give consent for increased or continued sexual contact. And again, definitely listening to the episode that we have this week on what exactly is consent. I highly recommend that one. All right, next is child sexual abuse. 
This is when a perpetrator intentionally harms a minor physically, psychologically, sexually, or by acts of neglect. This, all of this is known as child abuse. And child sexual abuse is a form of abuse that includes sexual activity with a minor. A child cannot consent to any sort of form of sexual activity, period. And when a perpetrator engages with a child in this way, they're committing a crime that can have long-lasting effects on this victim for years. Child sexual abuse does not need to include physical contact between the perpetrator and a child. Some other forms of child sexual abuse can include exhibitionism or exposing oneself to a minor, fondling, intercourse, masturbation in the presence of a minor or forcing the minor to masturbate, obscene phone calls, text messages, or digital interacting, producing, owning, or sharing pornographic images or movies of children, sex of any kind with a minor, including vaginal, oral, or anal, sex trafficking, any other sexual conduct that is harmful to a child's mental, emotional, or physical welfare. Again, all of this information is being taken directly from the Brain website. There's also sexual assault of men and boys. Men and boys who have been sexually assaulted or abused may also face some additional challenges because of social attitudes or stereotypes about men and masculinity. The fact of the reality is that sexual assault can happen to anyone, no matter your age, no matter your sexual orientation, or your gender identity. Men and boys who have been sexually assaulted or abused may have many of the same feelings and reactions as other survivors of sexual assault, but they may also face some additional challenges because, again, of those social attitudes and those stereotypes that are put on men and masculinity, specifically from society. I'm going to share a list that includes some of the common experiences shared by men or boys who have survived a sexual assault. And it's not a complete list, but it was going to help kind of paint the picture for you because I think sometimes we often get it in our heads that survivors or victims of sexual assault are only women. And that, in fact, is not the case. So some of these experiences may include anxiety, depression, PTSD, flashbacks, and eating disorders. Avoiding people or places that remind you of assault or abuse. Concerns or questions about their sexual orientation. Fear of the worst happening and having a sense of a shortened future. Feeling like less of a man or that you are no longer have control over your body. Feeling on edge, being unable to relax or having difficulty sleeping. Having the sense of blame or shame over not being able to stop the assault or abuse, especially if you experience an erection or ejaculation. Remember, a victim does not have control over the physiological effects that happens within our body, even when consent is not given. We go into more detail about that in the consent episode. They may often withdraw from relationships or friendships, and have an increased sense of isolation. And they may also worry about disclosing for fear of judgment or disbelief. And if you're wondering how to support a male survivor, it's going to be very similar as how you would support a female survivor. You want to listen. You want to validate their feelings. Express concern. Tell them that you care about them and tell them that you're here for them. 
You do not need to ask for the details of the, of the sexual assault. Even if you're curious about what happens and, and you feel that you want to fully understand it, avoid asking for details of how the assault occurred. If the survivor chooses to share these details with you, then just, again, try your best to be, to be supportive and listen in a non-judgmental way. And then lastly, providing appropriate resources. Again, this website, RAIN.org, R-A-I-N-N.org, that I'm taking this information from, is a great, great resource to be able to share with anybody. There's also intimate partner sexual violence. A perpetrator can have any relationship a perpetrator can have any relationship to a victim, and that includes the role of an intimate partner. This can be very hard for many people. Many many people feel in, in the work that I've done in the past, people feel specifically people people that are within a marriage that that a sexual assault or rape cannot occur because they're married to that person. M- marriage does not give lifelong, long-term consent. That's that's not how this works. Consent needs to be something that is that is ongoing, something that is consistently communicated. So there are some warning signs of abuse um, from a partner that you can kind of look out for. If they are attempting to cut you off from friends and family, if they are extremely jealous or upset when you're spending time away from them, if they're insulting you, putting you down, say that you can never do anything right, if they're trying to prevent you from attending work or school or other events, trying to prevent you from making decisions for yourself, destroying your property, attempting to harm your pets, making threats to harm your children or take them away from you, tell you that you're worthless and that no one else could ever love you, and lastly, controlling your finances. These are all signs of an abusive partner, and these are all signs that something maybe could perhaps end up in sexual violence. There's also incest, which I feel I don't need to go into much detail about, but regardless of how the the law defines incest, unwanted sexual contact from a family member can have a long-lasting effect on a survivor. There's also drug-facilitated sexual assault, and in this case, survivors often blame themselves. Remember, you are not to blame. You, and only you, are the one that's able to make choices for your body. Using drugs or alcohol is never an excuse for assault, and it does not mean that it was your fault. To wrap up this episode, there are also other forms of sexual violence, which include sexual harassment. You should be able to feel comfortable in your place of work. If you're being sexually harassed, you can report it to the authorities of your job, school, or local law enforcement. There's also stalking, adult survivors of a child sexual abuse, using technology to hurt others, sexual abuse by medical professionals, sexual exploitation by helping professionals, multiple perpetrator sexual assault, elder abuse, sexual abuse of people with disabilities, prisoner rape, military sexual trauma, Sexual violence can happen in so many different forms. The point of this episode is to again reassure you that you are not alone and to spread awareness for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Thanks for listening today. Again, visit rain.org if you would like more information or help.
for sexual violence. They can also be reached 24-7 at 1-800-656-4673. Share this episode. And let's together spread more awareness.